Hi everyone, welcome to the Birth Trauma Stories podcast, where we're holding space and finding the light after perinatal trauma. This is your host, Kathy Garrett, birth trauma survivor turned podcast host. In today's extra special episode, we will hear from Kathy from Living Nola's Journey. You may or may not know that today is NICU Remembrance Day. Join us as we remember and honor not only Nola, but all the precious babies who went to heaven too soon. We hold space for the families who carry on their memory and the resiliency they all show. Tune into this touching episode and let's support each other. Hi, everyone. Today, I have a great friend who has a wonderful, awesome name. Do you want to tell everyone your name? Yes, Kathy. My name is Kathy. So we have two Kathys today. Yes, and both spelled with a C. I love that. Yes, so do I. Kathy squared. Yeah, Kathy squared. I don't know if I've ever shared with you, but I was supposed to be Kathy with a K because my grandmother was with a K, but my dad changed it on my mom. Oh, really? Yes, yes. He decided Kathy with a C. You're also Catherine as well. Correct. Yeah, we don't spell Catherine the same exact way, but lots of similarities here. Oh, yeah. All right. You want to start off with a little intro? Yes, turned out me listening. My name is Kathy. I'm 29 years old, and I live with my husband here in Melbourne, Florida, along with both of our families. I just went through a very long six-month battle through the NICU with my daughter, Nola, who was born three months premature. I was diagnosed with preeclampsia and help syndrome just last year, which ultimately made me deliver her earlier than she was meant to. And unfortunately, she passed away April 5th. So just a little over a month ago. And it's been tough. It's been tough. I love that you called it a battle because I remember finding your page on Instagram and Another similarity that we have is we both delivered at the biggest hospital in Orlando. Our little babies were in the same NICU. You stayed at the Ronald McDonald house. That's where my husband, he didn't stay there because he didn't want to take a room from someone when we were only 30 minutes from the hospital. But we have so many overlapping similarities that I was like, we have to be friends. And (laughs) I just remember every time there was an update about NOLA. It truly did feel like a battle. And even though I wasn't living it firsthand, I was living it through your post. I feel like I went through a lot of the same emotions. Definitely not to the extent that you were living it, but it was definitely like ups and downs. But you're not the only one who has felt that way. You know, with all of the followers and everyone following along with baby NOLA, there's been so many people who have grown a bond and attachment to her, you know, throughout this journey. And it's, it's amazing to see not only have been people have been following along with this journey, but they've also been grieving as well. And it's just, I, my heart hurts for everyone who is hurting over this. That's so sweet of you to say. I love that you're looking to the people who are living this with you because Yes. I've talked a little bit on the podcast about how I had my AFE. I was talking to a friend and she was saying, you know, it happened to you, but there was a ripple effect. And that ripple effect was long and wide and huge. 
And even in Nola's case and in your journey going through a NICU, I can't remember exactly when I found your page, but I think Nola was like three months old. So yeah, there is a ripple effect no matter what you're going through. A ripple effect is the exact way to explain it. Yes. I think I felt like that was a perfect analogy. Yes. Can you dive into a little bit more about your initial hospital stay now, did you go to an ER in Melbourne first? And then did they transfer you to Orlando? Yes. You see, I was in and out of the hospital. Oh, no. Oh, I mean, I had COVID, high blood pressure. It just took, I was even having high blood pressure before they even diagnosed me or preclamped that. I was in and out of the hospital, admitted four different times. Fourth time, I remember being at home and my legs had just completely swell, swallowed up. Um, my, and I had a headache and I just couldn't go away. I took my blood pressure and it was extremely high. I called my mom to take me to drop me off at the emergency room. And my doctor came in and said, it's time for you to go somewhere else. And that's when they transferred me to Advent. And, um, they had, they were prepping me for a C-section at 24 weeks because my blood pressure was so high. However, my blood pressure went down and I went on to fight an additional 18 days before Nola was born at emergency C-section. I preeclampsia turned into help syndrome and they needed to get her out as soon as possible. Holy moly. That in and of itself is traumatic going in and out of the hospital and then starting your journey as a NICU mama and ultimately infant loss. I felt like I was thrown into it, like immediately thrown into it because I was fighting my body. And then the day they came in and said, okay, your platelets are dropping extremely low. Your liver enzymes are sky high. We need to get her out now. It was almost like a sense of relief because, because I had fought so hard it got to the point where I couldn't even move in bed without my blood pressure skyrocketing so once that time came it was like okay it's time Mm -hmm. and can you explain a little bit more about the difference between preeclampsia and help syndrome so preeclampsia definitely is probably something that is more common than help syndrome however with severe features of preeclampsia it can turn into help syndrome. Preeclampsia is characterized by high blood pressure. You'll probably have protein in your urine, headaches, swelling, and then you can get this later on in pregnancy and it'd be fine. You completely just are treated with high blood pressure medication, bed rest. However, with my case, my features were so severe, it transferred into help syndrome where it started to affect my liver. And that's when my liver enzymes skyrocketed and my platelets dropped. Uh, I believe HELP syndrome stands for elevated liver low platelets. Wow. Something like that, yeah. Wow, wow. That's really, really heavy. I'm so sorry that you've had to go through all of this. Oh, I know. Yeah, we've had some conversations and... I can only imagine. And, you know, sometimes I hate when people say that of like how 
how hard my journey's been too. And, but I think also like having these conversations and being open about it, at least for me, has been extremely healing. And it's like I'm not alone. And having someone just send a text and say, hi, I'm thinking about you, praying for you, you know, whatever the situation may be. And that helps, you know. I know a lot of people may not know what to say to me. I don't even know what to say <laughs> at times. But just knowing that you have someone support and knowing that they're right there if you need them to listen, it, it helps and it makes you feel not so alone Absolutely. in a time where you are the lonely, loneliest. Yeah, because in, in you know, I've gone through different stages of grief with my uh, particularly around losing my uterus and you know losing my fertility and losing my home mom journey you know I was staying when Claire became about a year old and so I stayed at home mom for almost a year 11 months while our situations are different there I feel like there's some similarities and like there was a huge loss and me even just being yes. able to take care of my kids. Yes. And I did have to go and grieve through that. And especially in those, I forget the stages of grief, but it's before acceptance. Because I remember acceptance is the last one. But you're, you're, you do feel alone because you're like, what do I do with these feelings? I don't know how to express them. I don't know how to, I feel so alone. I feel like no one understands me. Exactly. Most often, it's not the case. There's someone out there who can relate to what you're going through. And I think even just getting a text, I, hey, I'm thinking about you. How do you think you have kind of worked through those stages of grief? It's very weird, Kathy. It's very, it's a very weird grief right now. And, and maybe it's because I haven't processed it. I feel like I've been on a, you know, an adrenaline rush for the last, you know, almost year because I was in and out of the hospital. I was fighting constantly, constant fight or flight mode. And I feel like once NOLA passed, I went into this weird stage of immediate acceptance. Mm. And I can assume it's faith. But at that moment, when I told the um, doctor to go ahead and stop working on Lola, because they had been working on her for about an hour when her heart dropped, she was not coming back. The moment I told them to go ahead, you know, go ahead and stop, something clicked in me. And I knew I needed to be strong for my husband because he has never gone through anything like this. And for those of you listening, I also had a stillborn at 32 weeks back in 2014. So I've kind of gone through something similar and I knew we were about to meet Nola and the tubes were going to be out and she was going to be deceased. So at that moment, I needed to be strong. I needed to be strong and going into this weird acceptance, it's prevented me from feeling the feelings that I need to feel. I have been completely numb, but if I look back over this journey, I have been completely numb the entire time. I've had to keep fighting. So I think I'm up here. 
I am up, I've been up on this high adrenaline rush mm-hmm. and I think I'm not going to be able to feel the feelings until I come down and decompress and then I will be able to feel them. Um, so a lot of people may think, oh, wow, oh, wow, she's, she's not expressing her grief correctly, but there is no one way to handle grief. I have learned that and it's for people to know that there's no right way to grieve. And with my grief, I, I get upset. I'm hurt. I, I feel pain and there's days that I don't want to leave the bed, but I'm numb. That's the way to put it. I'm numb. Wow. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see how you've been on that kind of adrenaline rush. I mean, for at least for me, it's been just survival, literally two and a half years of just survival. And obviously I'm getting better as time goes on, but my poor husband, he's been the strong one. And there, there are times I have to be strong for him, but Mm -hmm. he is you in this scenario. You know, he has just had to keep moving forward, figure it out and, you know, manage his job. But how is your husband doing? He really took this hard. Yeah. And I think that's the reason why I felt like I needed to be strong for him. He took it hard. He has never lost anybody in his family, no friends. Mm. And then the first loss of his is his daughter. This was really hard on him. Um, there were times that I could hear him just weeping and wailing upstairs and just out of nowhere. And he seems to be better now that he has started back to work mm-hmm. he had like two weeks well now that he's getting into a routine of course he has his bad days and he he sheds some tears and he's in pain over this but that routine is really helping him and i feel like that is what i need there is get into some kind of routine to kind of help me yeah i recently had lunch with a friend who lost her partner two years ago and she said at the time getting back into the office was really helpful for her having that routine she had to go to work because she felt like if she didn't go to work she would have it would have been a much different situation and I just admire the way able to navigate this season I feel like your Instagram handle says you're you're living Nola's journey and I love that you're keeping her memory alive. Yeah. You're li- you are living the life that she unfortunately has able to. I'm I'm in a way I'm proud of myself. Oh my I get a little emotional. <laughs> I'm proud of myself for for getting through this and and fighting as much as I have. You know, this is a horrible tragedy. It's- Mm-hmm. that was horrible Absolutely. i lost my daughter however i'm proud of myself for getting through this and i just want to living nola's journey is me living life after this journey how am i going to pick up the pieces picking up the pieces of grief spreading awareness with preeclampsia and help syndrome being a resource for other mamas who have lost 
a child, whether it's miscarriage, stillborn, infant loss, or mm -hmm. loss of any kind, because I've learned grief is grief. It's a loss and it hurts just the same. Yes, 100%. How do you feel like you and your family honor those two babies who have gained their angel wings? Well, whenever I lost Maya back in 2014, we had a celebration of life for her. And it was beautiful on the beach. We set off lanterns and it was just a peaceful, a peaceful thing. Now with Nola, we haven't had a celebration of life for her yet. It's going to be coming in the, in the near future. And I feel like that is going to be a way for me to close the book in a way and honoring her as of right now, uh, any flowers remind me of her, any little tiny angels. So I have this little nook in the corner with their urns and little angels and crosses and it's in pictures of Nola. It, it's, it's our little special place for her. And I have her little toys, Aww. her little rings that she play with and it makes us feel special. Yeah, absolutely. I know for me, whenever I see a rainbow, I think of Nola. And that yes. definitely is a big reminder for yes. her. Yeah. Any and all rainbows, <laughs> that is going to be something that makes a lot of people think of Nola for the rest of their lives. What do you feel like is your favorite memory through your motherhood journey? Even though it was a... a situation it was just getting the chance to touch and hold my daughter just getting the chance to feel her breathing and singing to her reading to her seeing her crooked little smile <laughs> and just being able to spend those moments with her were my favorite part. We were we were blessed to have the six months and ten days that we had with her, and I'm so thankful for that because the love that I poured into that little girl and the love that everyone poured into her, she felt nothing but love. Yeah, she did, and that's my favorite part. Yeah, from all around the world. I mean, she had people all yeah. around the world following her journey and. Yes. I just I just love that even though she was intubated, like you said, she would crooked little smile and it was the <laughs> cutest thing ever. Man, she was just so sweet. And when she would suck on her too. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh goodness. Yes. You can hear those little suckling sounds. Yeah. Oh, I would just melt into the floor. <laughs> yeah, I loved all the videos that you would post about her or about her sucking on her tube or her crooked little <laughs> oh, smile. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, so, so sweet. <laughs> How do you feel like you're able to get through the hard days? By pouring love into myself. Oh, I love that. It's hard to do. However, oh. taking time to myself, and although people may think that's not good or healthy, still have my support system, but pouring love into myself by uh, painting my nails, taking a bath, doing small things like that really, really helped get me through the hard days and leaning on my support system and 
talking on, on social media and reaching out to my following and having little conversations with them, even if it's about grocery shopping or something like that, it, it definitely helps get me through my day. It's just the little things like that, that truly make a difference. And although it's hard to pour love into yourself, sometimes, sometimes you have to force yourself. Absolutely. I think as moms, we tend to put ourselves on the back burner. Oh, yeah. I think as moms, we tend to forget that we do need to love on ourselves as well. Even like oh, you yeah. said, if that means painting your nails or <laughs> uh, or taking a bath or going for a walk. For me, kind of my self-care, uh, reading the Bible. Oh, yes. Talking with a good friend can even be yes. self-care. Also, I've been into the, I've been on a cleaning kick, trying to scrub and clean everything I can because I feel as if, I feel like if I need to like wash out all the old to bring in the new. So I have been hyper fixated on cleaning and that makes me feel good too. It's an accomplishment. A hundred percent. I know organizing for me is also a of self-care, not for everyone, but. I think also it's, yeah, me too. Uh, I think (laughs) it's also important to know how to care for yourself. Everyone's so different. And, you know, like some people may not like yoga or organizing or getting their nails done. And self-care can look different across the board for Exactly, exactly. And you just need to find that that way to give yourself self-care. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you have to find what makes you happy. And even in the littlest things or in the tiniest things by getting a coffee, you know, treating yourself, mm-hmm. you have to find it. You have to be able to find it. Yeah, absolutely. I do have kind of an odd question. When you're doing your lives, like in the grocery store, do the bystanders kind of look at you weird? Oh, Yes. Oh, yes. So I try, like if I'm in the grocery store, I try to find an aisle that nobody's in, but there's plenty of time that I have been in the midst of saying something and someone just comes around the corner and sees me. I just continue because really they could think I'm on FaceTime and far, as far as they know. So that's what I tell True. myself. <laughs> and nothing is embarrassing Unless you make it embarrassing. So I kind of just keep that in my head. Oh my goodness. That that is the best. That's the best line. Nothing is embarrassing unless you make it embarrassing. (laughs) Exactly. So I kind of just keep that in my head. Like, I'm not embarrassed, you know? Like, (laughs) also, as social media has become more prominent, like, people know what you're doing. Like you said, either FaceTiming. Mm-hmm. or doing a live on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, what do you love most about yourself post-children? The strength I gained. Wow. The strength that I gained through this experience as well as the experience that I had back in 2014. Uh, in 2014, when I lost my daughter, Maya, um, I went into a very, very dark place, Mm -hmm. a place that I didn't think I would ever be pulled out of. And um, it went on for a very long time, but it taught me a lot and it made me stronger than I'd ever, ever was before. 
my faith was stronger than it ever was before. And I felt um, as if this prepared me for what I just went through with Nola. And I didn't know Nola was going to pass, but I've said it the whole time. What I went through with Maya prepared me for this. So the strength that I have gained is something I really, really love about myself. And, and I'm able to acknowledge that. Yeah, and I think that's part of the journey as well, really recognizing how, how far you have come. For me, you know, I still don't have my driver's license back. Mm -hmm. Going to the grocery store is a big deal. Watching my kids for several hours is a big deal. But yes. I always try to reflect back on, well, you know, when I, when I first woke up, walking to the door of my hospital room was a big deal. And now I'm walking, yeah. you know, around our neighborhood. Our neighborhood's not very large, but, you know, I'm doing laps around the neighborhood or going on bike rides. And yes, now I'm not where I want to be. Let me be honest. I there there are goals that I still have. Biggest being getting my driver's license back. But it's so important to recognize the steps that you've made. Because if not, exactly. you're going to get bogged down. It's going to become oh, overwhelming. Yeah. And I'm human. I have those days too. I have good days and bad days like anybody. But it's so important to not only celebrate those. I hate the term small wins because yes. while going to the grocery store might not be a big deal for someone else, it is a big deal. And so I don't count that yes. as a small win. And I think... Too often our society uh, thinks that it is a small win, and it's not yep. because everybody is different. Oh, yeah. And we briefly spoke about that yesterday. I was telling you that, you know, even the smallest tasks, I have been turning into such a big deal. My anxiety, that's one thing that's really been an issue for me is my anxiety. And like I told you yesterday, I'll take this, the tiniest tasks and turn them into something so daunting mm -hmm. and tedious. And so even though some people may think going to the grocery store is something tiny, a small accomplishment for you and I, that's a big accomplishment for the day. You know, getting up and, and getting dressed and putting makeup on or, or doing, you know, even the, the tiniest bits of self-care that I do, those are big wins for me. And it, it, my anxiety has been bad. It's been bad. That's the one thing that's really been bad after I lost Nola is my anxiety. So these small wins that people say are truly big accomplishments. I agree 100%. And can you speak a little bit more about how you're kind of coping with your anxiety? Do you have any coping skills that you're utilizing right now? Honestly, taking back. And I know that sounds like uh, maybe weird or odd, but whenever I start getting really anxious, I take a bubble bath. I try to pour that love into myself. Mm -hmm. And it's the focus on something else. Um, so taking a bath and, and putting on a show and, just soaking in the tub and, and watching uh, anything just to get your mind off of something 
really, really helps me. And before you know it, you forgot that you were panicky or you forgot that you were anxious, but it can happen again. You know, you can start getting anxious again, but the way I pour love into myself is really what is truly helping me on that and cleaning. I mentioned it earlier, cleaning is truly, truly helping me cope, organizing. I've been watching a lot of organization videos and TikToks and <laughs> I want to have everything in its place. <laughs> have you, have you uh, heard of the home edit? Yes, I'm so excited about that. I, I love them so much, especially the rainbow. Speaking about Nola again, yeah. like the rainbow organization. Yeah. And I can't remember when it was, but my family came for some holiday and my sister looked at our bookshelf and was like, did you really color organize your And I was like, yes, I did. Yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> I like it. It makes me happy and I think it's pretty. And even my closet, it's color organized in rainbow order <laughs> and my husband's side is not and he's like okay I'm not doing it. and I was like if that's the way you want to care for yourself that's fine but the way I like to care for myself is I like things to look pretty and it makes me happy it makes me smile yes. and there's nothing wrong with that that that's honestly you mentioned the books um one thing I wanted to do for Nola in her nursery we had this um three shelf I guess it'd be a, it's a show, like a bookshelf. And I wanted, we got her so many children's books. I wanted to color, coordinate everything to look like a rainbow. So all the red books, all the orange, yellow, green, blue. And I wanted to have that in her nursery. However, I may not be able to do that now. Um, but like you said, um, color coordinating your closet and different books you have whenever I get off here I might have to go do that <laughs> well send me a picture if you do I'd love to see yeah. it <laughs> yeah how are you doing with those moments I know if if I were so one moment that was really hard for me is I'd come home from the hospital I'd been home maybe two or three weeks and I'm sure I've shared with you that I don't remember most of that entire like I yeah. have, yeah. I think it's called retrograde amnesia. I can't remember. Yes. I had forgotten, like I had gone to Target and bought new pajamas and bought uh, essential oils to diffuse during labor. And I had that like all packed, obviously, in the hospital bag. And one day, I can't remember what I was looking for, but I was looking at my husband's dresser and I found the little baggie of oils and I just broke down. That was such a trigger for me because I'd completely forgotten about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, my sweet husband tried to hide them on me. And I don't know if he consciously knew that it would be triggering, but he did, you know, Aww. try to put them away for me. How are you working through those moments of like, wow, I really wasn't expecting. I never thought essential oils would make me cry. Yes. You know, how are you working through those moments? There's a lot of triggers. There, there's a lot. However, whenever I have those moments, I try my hardest to remember the good times. I try my hardest to remember like those little, the little rings that Nola would play with. I see that. That's very triggering to my husband um, and, as well as myself. But we have it laid out. Whenever he gets upset or I get upset seeing it, I just try to remember her little hands grasping it and playing with it. 
and how I was working so hard with her on holding items uh, before she passed. And I just try to remember the good. You know, it, but it, it, it's not that easy. I understand it. It's not always that easy. It, but trying to remember the good is what really helps. Yeah, I love that idea of reframing, but you're absolutely right. Sometimes you just need a good cry to get it out. And yeah. my therapist probably about six months ago shared with me that studies show that any sort of physical output correlated with emotion is healing. So like if you're feeling an emotion and crying or feeling an emotion and journaling about it, any sort of physical output yes. is healing. And I love reframing is important, but sometimes... It doesn't work. And sometimes, yeah, you just need a good cry. You mentioned journaling. Journaling is is very, very uh, calming to me as well, something that I have been doing. But you're right. Sometimes the only way you can get it out is to scream, cry. And sometimes you feel like you can't scream and cry enough to get that pain out. Yeah, But it helps. Yeah. It helps. Just the other day, I was feeling overly upset overly anxious about a situation and I said to my four-year-old I said Claire let's scream and my husband was like well no don't do that I have a headache and I was like okay we'll go outside and scream so we went outside and counted to three and screamed as loud as we could and I'm sure our neighbors thought we were insane but it felt good it did and I bet it did it oh it felt so good I have the urge to go to a top of the a top of the mountain and in a valley and just scream as loud as I can and and yell at whatever <laughs> and just scream and yell and, and and unfortunately there's no mountains in Florida. <laughs> Go to Mount Dora. Yeah, I'm right. You Mount can't Dora. see, but I'm doing rabbit ears. Yep. Mount yep. Dora. Quotation. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. But screaming can be healing too. Well, Kathy, I cannot express enough how much I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I, I know. Uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on again. Yes. You know, everything we talked about, how open you are, living Nola's journey, and like you said, raising awareness for preeclampsia and health is just incredibly admirable. Well, I I'm so glad that I you know you asked me to come onto the podcast and please do I I would love to come back absolutely love it you know there's more to the story there's more to the journey and there's more to come so just get ready for that yes yes I am so incredibly ready thank you again everyone for tuning in today we kindly ask you to head over to your favorite podcasting platform to leave us a review it really helps with searchability and finding different podcasts this is your host kathy garrett and you've been listening to the birth trauma stories podcast where we're holding space and finding light after perinatal trauma bye-bye